Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams continues the series, Church Talk. In this message, Brandon looks at the word faith. Many of us never truly experience God because we never step out in faith in our lives. It's time for us to stop expecting our circumstances to always change and instead begin changing our perspective. Good morning. How's everybody today? Everybody good? You excited to be here? Good deal. Hey, uh, we're going to continue our church talk series this morning. If you're new here, my name's Brandon. Um, I'm a pastor here and just glad that you were here. I think we've got a lot of parents with us this morning, maybe, who are in town visiting their children. Just um, thank you for being here, and uh, we'll do our best to help take care of your kids, all right? Um, but we are, uh, we are excited about it. We're going to continue this in just a moment. Um, first of all, I do want to say, come on out at 5 o'clock today and eat some chili with us. Just hang out. It'll be a great time of fellowship. I want you to be a part of that. Um, the other thing is this. God, um, I prepared a message this week, and I really felt like God laid something on my heart this morning that I want to share with you. Um, we're looking at the word faith uh, today, and uh, it may be a little different if this is your first time here. Um, I just want to share my heart with you, and uh, I think sometimes at church we can get into trying to have everything so polished and so perfect that we miss the heart of what it's really all about. And so I want to share that with you today. Um, and I hope that it'll be something that'll, that'll speak to you and uh, maybe encourage you in your walk of faith. Uh, first, I want to read to you out of Romans chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read Romans 4, 1 through 3. And then we're going to jump over and we're going to read verses 18 through 23. Romans 4, 1 says this, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 18 says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old, and and that Sarah's womb was also dead, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. Um, Father, I thank you for the reality of who you are. I thank you that... uh, God, you do change hearts and you change lives, God. That from the ashes of, of trials and tribulations, God, you, you raise up your glory. And God, as we, we hear your word today, as we hear testimonies of your faithful, faithfulness, God, I pray that you would move in a mighty way in our hearts, begin to reveal yourself even more to us. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Share a quick uh, little story with you. This week I was riding in my truck and um, I was, my phone rang and I looked at it and it said private, right? Anybody hate private when it comes up on your phone? Because you might want to ignore it, right? And you got no clue who it is and then you're like, what if it's an emergency? What if I need to answer it? What do I do? And um, I got one friend who um, likes to keep his phone where it's on private and, and so I'm like, well, maybe that's him. And so I answered it, 
And there was a guy with an accent on the other line, and he said, good afternoon. And I, can't, I don't have a very good accent, but he was like, good afternoon. I said, um, hello. And I, that's usually what I say, is hello. Um, and he said, I have good news for you. I said, all right, I'm all about good news. So, and I'm thinking it's my buddy the whole time, right? I'm like, man, he's, trying to, he's just trying to yank on me, right? He's, trying to, he's just playing a joke on me. And so I'm going along with it. I'm like, yeah, man, what's up? You know, how's it going? How's it going? And he's like, I have good news. You have been uh, awarded a grant for money for $7,000. I was like, sweet, man. I was like, that is awesome, you know? And so then, just to pick back at him, I started talking with an accent. And so I was like, well, that is great news. And he's like, who is this? I was like, who is this? You called me. And so I was talking to him, and, and then I realized, I was like, oh, my gosh, this isn't my friend. And I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm like making fun. And it felt like I was making fun of it, but I was just trying to pick back at my friend. And then um, he said, all you have to do is go to your nearest Western Union and claim your money. I was like, well, snap. I hung up my phone. I went to the nearest Western Union. I didn't really. I did hang up the phone, though. I hung up the phone, and I, and, and I didn't go to the Western Union. Why didn't I go to the Western Union? Because I knew that the guy was full of it, right? I didn't believe what he said. I didn't believe he, who he said he was because he said his name was Doug. I was like, I might have been, you know, it might be dumb, but I'm not that dumb. This ain't Doug. I know that. <laughs> and, I, and so I didn't believe who he said he was. I also didn't believe he could deliver on what he promised. I knew there was not $7,000 waiting on me at the Western Union, right? I'm not that stupid. And so I hung up the phone on him. But I thought about that in our relationship with God and faith. And I thought about, you know, that is really the essence of faith in the exact opposite. Because faith is basically this. It is basically trusting that God is who he says he is, that God can do what he says he can do, and that God will be faithful to do everything he said he'll do, right? Now, let's get this in our heads. If we're looking at this and we're thinking about it and, and we're looking at the fact that God created everything, right? And those of you who would say, God, maybe there's not a God, you got to open your eyes. You need to walk out tonight when it's clear outside and look up at the sky and figure out how that came from nothing, right? Because, I mean, I, what's funny to me is the people who are so intellectual and they tell me I'm dumb because I believe in God and I look at everything that's around me and I go, are you kidding me? You're the dumb one. Because how can you look at everything and wonder, where did this come from? Listen, if there's a creation, there's got to be a creator. And I want to see somebody create something out of nothing, right? And so I'm thinking about this. And if I'm thinking about how big and how awesome God is, if I'm thinking about that he can create everything, that he made this world, it spins around in a circle over a thousand miles an hour. Somehow we don't get slung off in space somewhere. That it's, it's going around the sun 67,000 miles an hour and it takes a year for it to get back. That's a pretty doggone big God. And I'm thinking about this, that if he is who he says he is, and I believe that he'll do what he says he'll do, and he has the power to do it, then why do I lay away, lay away, lay away? That's like, I'm, I'm not speaking in tongues, I promise. Why do I lay awake at night and worry about what's going to come tomorrow? If he is who he says he is, and he can do everything he says he can do, and I really put my faith in him, then what am I worried about? And see, this is what it says and about Abraham, it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him 
as righteousness. See, faith is when we begin to trust that God is who he says he is. We begin to trust that he gave us Christ to provide the righteousness that you and I can't attain on our own, that he really was crucified, that he really did die, that he really did get buried, that he really did come back to life, that he really is sitting at the right hand of God the Father right now, and he really is making intercession for you and I who believe in him and trust in him. That is the essence of faith. But so many of us are putting ourselves in the place of God. Anybody say you're guilty of that? Yeah, I think we all are. Because we lay there and we worry about what's coming down the pipe. Listen, this week was not an easy week. There was a bunch of junk that happened this week. Not just to me, but to people in our church. Things that went on that broke my heart. There was more than one night this week. I thought about, wow, people are hurting. People are hurting, and believe it or not, when you hurt, I hurt. When you, when you hurt, I carry that too. And I would lay there at night, and I'm thinking, my God, you know, and, and I had to come back to this place of, do I trust him? Do I trust him? Do I believe that he is who he says he is? Do I trust him? Because here's the truth, and this is true in Abraham's life. He was made righteous by faith, but it didn't mean that crap quit happening in his life. He went through some junk. He went through some stuff. There were times when he made mistakes. There were times when he, he, he screwed it up. Like when he's going into a, a new area, right? And his wife, Sarah, was beautiful. And he says, let's just tell them that you're my sister so they won't kill me and take you. Where's the faith in that? Right? He, he, God promises him that he's going to bring a child through him, right? He tells him that, that um, I'm going to give you as, as many descendants as the sand on the seashore. He says, if you can count the sand, if you can count the stars, then you can count how many descendants I'm going to give you. His name was Abram. It meant exalted father. How would you like to be called exalted father and everybody you introduce yourself to, you said, hello, my name is exalted father. Really? Well, how many children do you have? Oh, I don't have any. And then God changes his name. And, and when he gives him the covenant, he says, listen, um, now you're going to be called Abraham, which means father of a multitude. How would you like to walk up to people and go, hello, how are you? My name is father of a multitude. Well, where are you? Where's the multitude? Oh, I don't have any yet. Right? It would be like me walking up to people and going, hi, my name is Millionaire. <laughs> well, where's your money? Oh, I don't have any. And that is the truth. But you see what I'm saying? I mean, he had nothing. He had nothing. And, and, and yet God is saying, I'm going to do this through you. And he went through some stuff. You know, he went and he actually slept with his um, um, servant, Hagar. And it was his wife's fault. I mean, she put him up to it. But he slept with Hagar. I'm just kidding. But he slept with, had a son, Ishmael. You know, he had to go through watching his son leave, walk away, losing a son. But there was one thing about Abraham that was absolutely amazing. Everywhere he went, he built an altar. And I believe that deep down inside, even when he began to try to turn away, there was something inside of him that says, I know this is true. I know this is true. And he would build an altar and he would come again to the presence of God and he would turn his life around and come back to God. And he lived his life as a friend of God, as one who, even when he made mistakes, when, even when things got screwed up, even when there was hurt and there was difficulty, he lived his life before God. And I believe that that's something that we need to recognize today and maybe begin to pattern in our own life. Listen to this. It says, 
against all hope. This is in verse 18. Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Listen to this. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact. I mean, he knew it. He knew his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And what Sarah's womb, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. But listen to this, yet. You need to say, yet, say yet with me, yet. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised he would do. See, I think, when I read that this morning, the one word that jumped out in me, that just really just went off in my, my spirit was yet. Because, see, I believe that this room is probably full of people who need to hear this. That God's not done yet. That God's not finished yet. And there's some things that come against us in life. There's some things that come against us that confuse us. There's some things that come against us to even question the existence of God. But we need to remember that God is not done yet. And if you're sitting here today, it is evidence that God is not done yet. Every morning you wake up and you do this. It is evidence that God is not done yet because you have breath in your body and God is not finished. There's more that God has for you to do. There's more that God has for me to do. There's more that God has for the body of Christ to do. And we need to realize that God is not done yet. God is not finished. Sometimes we can get to a place where we just begin to wonder what in the heck is going on with God? God, what are you doing? Anybody ever question God? Anybody ever try to tell God you know what's best? I do. Listen, man, I remember, and, and I, listen, you may walk out, of, this, this, is, this is the greatest fear, I think, for any preacher, is that you walk out the door, look at your friend, and go, what the heck was he talking about? All right? I'm going to take that chance today. Because I want to be obedient to what I feel like God put on my heart. I want to be obedient, and, and, and listen, if this is your church, I want you to know that I, I just want to be obedient to God. If, this, if you walk out of here and go, that guy is an idiot, so be it. But I want to be obedient to what the Lord put on my heart and share exactly what I believe he wants you to hear today. When I was four years old, man. How many of you grew up in church? Anybody grew up in church? We will pray for you because church can jack you up, man. I am telling you. It can get your eyes so far off the ball. That, that, and so, I, I mean, I really didn't. I, my parents would take me to church some. My granddaddy was a Southern Baptist um, preacher. And so I would go, and we'd go hear him some, and we'd go here, here and there. Um, and we didn't go to church a lot. I had great parents, though, man. They loved me. And I think when it was time for me to recognize the love of God, I could recognize the love of God because of the love my parents had shown me. Some of you in here today, you can't hardly recognize the love of a loving father because you never had one. But I want you to know today that there's a God in heaven who loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And you maybe just need to get into the word and and begin to realize how much he really does care for you and throw out all the preconceived notions of what you think a father is and let your heavenly father begin to love on you. But see, we we weren't in church every Sunday. We didn't do that. But, But there was something in me that always said, there's a God. I just somehow, I just, there was just something in me that said, there's a God. And I remember one day specifically, that I was out in the backyard and there was, we had our air conditioner unit. So it got a big fan in it that spins around. And I'd always look in there and I, every now and then I'd drop a stick or something in there to see what it would do. And I was out there with my little blow bubbles, you know, that you take and you, 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 you blow them and the bubble, sorry, and the bubbles, they, they, they go out everywhere, you know. And, and so I thought, man, if I pour this bottle into that fan, it will be awesome. 
I mean, like major bubbles, like, you know? And so I'm over there. And how many of you, when you were children, every time you tried to do something like that, you got caught? I'm, I, that was me, man. I couldn't, and I never could, even when I was old, like um, older, like 16, 17, 18, I could not lie to my dad. He'd be like, son, did you do this? And I'd be like, no, yeah, I did that. <laughs> I couldn't lie to him. And, and, and I mean, because I just knew he'd see through me. Every time I tried to do something, I got caught. And so I'm out there pouring those bubbles into this fan and, and expecting this miraculous pr- production of bubbles. And my mom walks out right when I start to do it. She's like, what are you doing? And she kind of gets on. You know, she's like, well, quit doing that. Don't do that. Don't pour the bubbles in there. Now I know where I get it from with my kids. But, but don't pour the bubbles in there. And, and I turn around and I remember this just like it was yesterday. I said, mom. How am I supposed to know that I can't pour bubbles in the air conditioner? <laughs> I said, seriously? Seriously, Mom? No, I didn't say that. But I said, I, I didn't know. And, and so then she's like, well, Brandon, you know that little voice on the inside of you. When you start to do something and that voice says no, then you, don't need, to, you need to stop. And so I, I took that, and you know what's crazy is that was like 30 years ago. And I still remember that to this day because it taught me a lesson that if I begin to listen on the inside and I quit listening to the voices on the outside, then there was a God who was trying to speak to me. Even at the age of four, five, six years old, even when we weren't going to church every day, there was a God who was already drawing me to himself. There was a God who already loved me, who wanted me. I don't know why, but he wanted to know me. He wanted me to know him. He wanted me to let him into my life, and he was already speaking to my heart. And he began to draw me. And see, I believe there's some of you in here today, and you've been resisting God, but if you shut up for just a minute and you'll listen to the voice on the inside, you know that God is real. You know that God is true, and you know that Jesus Christ is the answer, and you're just rejecting him. And what I'm asking you today is start listening to that voice. There's something bigger. God's not done yet. He is still drawing you. I don't care how far you've walked away. I don't care how far you've gone. God is drawing you to himself. So we went on and life was good, you know. It was pretty good. We moved around a little bit. Um, We moved to Statesboro and found the love of my life. My wife, I was 13 years old. We weren't married at 13, but we were boyfriend and girlfriend. And uh, we did exactly what I tell uh, teenagers not to do. I was too serious too early. And I can tell you this, it worked out for us. It doesn't work out for most people. I can tell you this too. I wasn't thinking about Jesus. I was thinking about her, right? Um, Didn't go to church much. I started going with her because, you know, I got a chance to get a little hand touch, right? And a little hold hands, do something, you know. Uh, Maybe put my arm around her if her daddy wasn't looking. (laughs) But uh, it's a great reason to go to church, right? To be able to, you know, try to get fresh with your girlfriend, you know. It was my whole point in going to church. And so... I would go, and, and I, but I was just going for her. There was no relationship. I could have cared less about Jesus. I mean, it, it didn't really matter to me. And I, and I kind of still knew there was this God thing out there, but I, you know what I knew of church? I knew that if you went to church and you said you were a Christian, you couldn't, well, you could, you just couldn't let anybody know about it, right? You couldn't drink. You couldn't have sex. You couldn't do drugs. You couldn't chew tobacco. You couldn't uh, cuss. And so when I started hearing all that, I was like, well, why would I play golf, right? I was like, there's no reason for me to go. I mean, I couldn't bet. I mean, I was like, talking about take the life out of a sport. I was like, there's nothing reason for me to go. And, 
And so why would I want that? That's all I knew about church. And see, so many times we go to church and we get disillusioned. So many times we walk into church and we think that this is God and we walk out going, if that's God, I don't want any of that. You walk in feeling about this high and you walk out feeling about half that high, right? You get, you're already beat down and you walk into church and you walk out and you feel like somebody just beat you over the head with a baseball bat. I got tired of watching ushers who would take the offering and then they'd leave. But as long as everybody got to see them walk down front, it was good because it might help my business, right? And that was what church was. Let me tell you, that's not church. That's not church. Church is a living relationship with a living God that really put himself on a cross for you so that you could come to know him. That's what church is. Church is a journey that is absolutely incredible. And when you begin to trust that he is who he says he is, that he'll do what he says he'll do, and he'll be faithful to fulfill every bit of it, and he has the power to do it, it begins to take you on a journey that is absolutely incredible. I'm absolutely convinced about this. Most people don't know the reality of God because they've never taken a step of faith so that he had to prove himself faithful. It doesn't take much to get up every morning and go sit in a seat or a pew at church. But if you'll begin to take a step of faith, just start sharing your faith. Just start inviting somebody to church. Just start doing something that God lays on your heart. Let God prove him faithful. If we spend all of our life doing nothing more than what we can do on our own, then why do we need God? Why would we have to know he's real? We wouldn't. And so I wanted nothing to do with church. When I was 14 years old, I got a call. Um, I remember going over to a friend of mine's house. And I was going to spend the night with him because we had just gotten a call that my, my 16-year-old cousin had a lymphoma. Four months later, he was dead with a tumor the size of a basketball in his stomach. A year after that, my, my girlfriend then, my wife now, Susan, was diagnosed with cancer. I remember the day I was sitting in there in the, in the waiting room, and, and the doctor walks in, and he's, he looks at it, and he's actually got a tear in his eye, and he looks at us, and he says, it's, it's cancer. The only thing I could get out of my mind, just, just so you know, I, I, listen, if you think I'm super spiritual, you bad mistake. Everybody that knows me, like some of y'all know, knew me in high school and college, you're like, I don't even know why that man's a preacher. <laughs> if the greatest miracle and testimony is that I do this every Sunday to you because you're like, I knew him. There ain't no way. But just to tell you, I was sitting there, the only thing I could get out of my mouth is I hate God. I, would sit, I was sitting there, and I remember it was a little doorway, and I was sitting there, and I was balled up in a ball, and I was saying, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And my mom walked in, and she came and she put her arm around me, and she said, son, now's when you need God. You need to turn to God. He didn't do this. But if she hadn't walked in, I'm telling you, I was ready to remodel that entire waiting room. My wife turned to God. I turned away from him. I didn't want anything to do with him. How can a God like this let that happen? And see, some of y'all are in here today and you're bitter at God because you look at a situation in your life and you say, how could God let this happen? Can I tell you this? It wasn't God. Can I tell you this? You live in a marred version of what God created. If you look at the first two chapters of Genesis, everything that God created, it says it was good. God's heart is good. God's heart is that things would be right. Listen to this. Have you ever thought about this? That in the beginning, God gave us perfection. 
You know the only righteousness that mankind has ever had was given by God? In the beginning, he gave us perfection. He made us perfect. Adam and Eve chose to sin. We sin. Sin has marred what we see of God all around us. We live in a marred version of what God wants. And when bad things come, when things begin to happen, who's the first person we blame? God. I know. And I, listen, there's, there's some of you in here today, and you've been through some crap. I'm telling you, I know you have. I know you have. Can I tell you this, that I also know that there is a God who loves you. And I can tell you all my horror stories. Listen, even after I was saved, it has not been perfect. If anybody ever tells you that just get saved and your whole life will work out, it don't. There's still bumps in the road. You know, even after I gave my life to Christ, even after I was made righteous through faith, you know what, my, my mom still got diagnosed with breast cancer. My uncle still died of a brain tumor. My cousin still died of a brain aneurysm. My dad got hit by a guy on his motorcycle um, riding through... Uh, up near Chatsworth, Georgia, by a man who wasn't even supposed to be in the country, much less have a driver's license. You think that might give you a little opportunity to get bitter. But let me tell you something, guys. God has carried me through every bit of that. God has carried me through so much of that so that I can look back over the last 11 years of my life that I've been living for Christ, that I've been trusting in him. Has it been perfect? No. Have there been days when I wanted to say, I'm going to throw my hands up and quit? Yes. But I have to keep coming back to the place of realizing that God is not done yet. And I have to realize that there is a God who loves me. See, I can't sit here and tell you that I know exactly what you're going through because I don't. I don't. But I can tell you that the same God who carried me through a bunch of junk will carry you too. If you'll turn to him and trust him. If you'll believe that he is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he'll do and that he has the power to do all that he says. And so I came through a pretty bitter time and I kept going to church, kept going to church and finally God got my attention and I was actually baptized when I was 17. How many of you remember when you first got saved? Anybody remember when you first got saved? Well, you're not like on fire, man. You're just like, woohoo! You're like, this is the greatest thing ever. And six months later, you're like, man, do I really have to read my Bible again? Do I really have to do this? And see, that's what I did. I went through this time where people were asking me to come speak because, well, he plays baseball, he plays football, he's an athlete, and people know him. And then, man, if they know he loves Jesus, then maybe they'll want to know... And, I got to ask him to get testimonies and, and to, to preach and do all this stuff. But six months later, everybody's like, where's he at? Where is he? Because see, I, I wasn't keeping in step with Christ. I wasn't walking with him. I, I just kind of done this six-month fling with Jesus. I just kind of said, well, this is cool. But then as soon as there was any work involved, I wanted out. And some of us need to hear that today, not just in our relationship with God, but maybe in our marriage. As soon as there's work involved, we want out. As soon as things aren't perfect, we want to go somewhere else. And so I began to drift away from God. I began to move away. And, and how many of you would say that your college years were probably the lowest years of your life? Spiritually. I began to, to drink. I never drank. I think I drank one beer in high school. I began to drink a lot. Began to do things that in high school I would have never dreamed of doing. I began to run from God as fast, as hard as I possibly could. I began to make fun of people who believed in God. 
I don't guess I was quite as bad as Paul. I never killed anybody because of that. But I began to make fun of others who did believe it. I was very cynical of God. I'd go to Bible studies just to try to mess them up. I would, I'd go in there and I'd ask questions. And I'd be like, okay. And how many of you are like, can God make a rock so big he can't move it? You know? We'll prove that God was real. I'd ask all those questions. Just to be a jerk because I was so cynical. I had moved so far away from God. I didn't want anything to do with God. And here's the thing. Is some of you have heard this before, but I want to tell you, some of you have not, and I want you to hear this. As far as I ran from God, God never quit pursuing me. And you're here today. Maybe your past has, has been so bad that you look at it and you're like, there's no way God could use me. Some of you can't trust God because you don't trust yourself. You think God can't use me, but the awesome thing is that Sarah's womb was dead. Abraham was 100 years old when God said he was going to bring Isaac to him. Listen, God, God's not done. God brings life from things that are dead. That is who God is. That is his nature. And God is not done yet with your life. My prayer is that maybe some of you would hear this and, and realize that, that in the place where you are today, it doesn't have to be the end can be the beginning and so I, I, I run away from God God got my attention you know and uh, I began to start following him again and I want you to know this in, in the last 11 years that I've been following God God has been faithful in every possible thing I, I can't think of one thing that I have stepped in faith and done that God has not been faithful did it always turn out like I thought no but can I see the hand of God on it yes I remember I was working with one of my best friends in a roofing business. And God, um, and Susan and I knew we were called into ministry. We knew that that's what we were supposed to do, that, that, that we had been called into ministry. And I went and um, was praying one day, and I felt like God put on my heart to start a business. I'm like, one, I don't want to leave, leave my best friend and start a business in the same town that he's in. And then two, we're supposed to go into ministry. Guys, one of those times I was arguing with God, I'm like, God, no, now this is, I'm supposed to be in ministry. So I'm not doing that. And, some, and, and, and so I'm like, oh, whatever, you know. And, and so I'm like, well, I'll at least pray about it. But you know the answer already, right? You, you don't really give God a chance to talk. You just say, well, I know what I'm going to do. And so you just go and do it anyway. Well, I, I'm like, I don't really want to do this, God. And one day I'm reading in Joshua chapter 1. And, he, and Joshua's about to go into a new land and have to do something he's never done before. And he's about to have to go and, and fight enemies. That, 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 the rumor was they were just huge, that they would just destroy him. And he's about to have to do all this stuff. And, jo- and God comes to Joshua and says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. And he tells him three times, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And he says that everywhere the sole of your foot treads, I'll give you that land. And when I read that that day, something just lit up on the inside of me. And I knew I had to take a step of faith and start this business. And if I would be strong and courageous, God would give me the land everywhere the sole of my foot tread. He would give us that. And we went and we started this business. And I would love to tell you that it was like, oh, you know, just perfect. But it wasn't. I remember one time I was sitting in the office. We had $1,000 in our checking account. We had a bill due that was like $75,000. It was a little over $75,000. That's a lot of money. If you got that in your back pocket, you know, we might need to take that offering again. But I'm like, what, we, you know, what am I going to do? And so I just started sending people out. We didn't even go to jobs that day. We just started sending people out with invoices saying, get as much money as you can, get as much money as you can. If you've got to break a finger, break a finger. If you've got to break an arm, whatever it takes, just bring back some checks. 
And so they go out and they, they, they go and they're just going to all these people that we've done jobs for. And they come back. We figure it all up, put the money in the bank. After we wrote the check, we had less than $1,000 in the account, but we were able to pay the bill. I'm telling you, every time that, that, that we came up against an obstacle, God was faithful. And see, here's the good thing about it. The Bible says that he's no respecter of persons. In fact, God hates favoritism. In the book of James, he said it's a sin to show favoritism. So why would God do that for me and not do that for you? So you got to hear this. God's not done yet. And the thing that you're walking through, and it looks like there's no way it's going to work out, you got to hear that God's not done yet. That there's still more that God wants to do. Just open your eyes and look up to Christ. Open your eyes and begin to follow him and allow him to begin to lead you and show himself faithful. We started that business, man. It, it went okay. And then I went to, uh, finally had the opportunity to take the first full-time um, ministry job. It was as a youth pastor. And I didn't really even want to do it, but somebody said, why don't you just apply? And we applied. We started praying through it. And we were like, wow, this is what we're supposed to do. And so I go and um, I applied for it. And lo and behold, I got an interview. It's like, awesome, man. And so I'm going to this interview. And nobody really knew this, but I ended up getting the job. We couldn't see this coming, but I ended up getting the job. And when I got the job, the business just happened to sell within a month of me saying yes to the job. Not talking about somebody saying, I want to buy it. I'm talking about somebody saying, I want to buy it, sign the papers, check in hand so that we could pay down what we owed on some bills on our house, on a truck, so that we could live without changing our lifestyle, so that we could, could live in, in a decent um, uh, status of living, making a third of what we've been making. That's a pretty amazing guy. So I go and, and I interview for this position. I interview for the position and I walk in. And, and then they start asking me some questions like, um, well, how are you going to keep our kids from drinking? It's like, well, I gave him a real theological answer. I said, I'm going to do my best to help them fall in love with Jesus. No, but, but how are you going to keep them from drinking? I'm going to do my best to help them fall in love with Jesus. But, but how are you going to keep them off of drugs? I'm going to do my best to help them fall in love with Jesus. I got some funny looks, man. I got some funny looks because, see, when you start really believing that God is who he says he is and you start telling people that if you'll believe this and you'll follow this, then things begin to work out. Because the one thing I knew is if they love God and they'll live for God, then drugs and alcohol doesn't become an option. See, the reason we fall into all this other stuff is because there's too many other options than God. And I knew if I can get them to fall in love with Christ, man, I can get them to fall in love with Jesus. And then they looked at me and said, well, how are you going to keep them from having sex? I'm like, if I had just recorded this, I could have just hit play. And what I really wanted to say was, what are you going to do to keep them from having sex? They're your kids. They're not my children. I get them two hours a day. What are you pouring into them spiritually? It's not my job, right, to raise your children. You step up to the plate and start. That's what I want to say, but I needed a job. So I said, listen... I said, uh, I'm going to do my best to help them fall in love with Jesus. Because I know this in my heart. That he is the answer. I know that there is no other way. Listen, there's not one person that came to Christ fully devoted following him that did not change. 
But some of us sitting in here today don't want to come to Christ and trust Him with our life because we know that we'll have to change. And see, here's the thing about it. You might not have to change. You will change if you follow Christ. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. But I can tell you this. You'll look back in a year, two years, ten years, and you'll be so thankful that you made that choice. You might not be able to see it now, but when you look back on it, you'll know. You will know. And so I go, and I went and did this interview, and there were three of us that interviewed. Um, I was third. I guess they didn't like my answers. But they interviewed me and uh, called and said, well, you didn't get it. And I was like, well, but I was supposed to have that job. And they're like, no, you didn't get it. I was like, well, I wanted to just say, well, y'all missed it. Sorry, but, but I didn't say that. But the first guy, he, uh, he wanted too much money. The second guy, he had already taken another job. And so I get a phone call about two weeks later. And the pastor said, uh, hey, I hate to even ask you this, but would you still consider taking that job? Yeah, we'll take it. Well, why don't you pray about it? We've already prayed. Well, why, well, we'll pray about it some more. I was like, no, we prayed. Well, you need to talk to Susan. We've talked. I want to say, we've been waiting on you to call. What took you so long? I was like, we've, we've prayed. We know. And so he said, well, just go pray some more. I was like, okay. So we went and we talked to Susan again. We prayed called him back and took the job and it was cool man it was cool it was a good a good time we made relationships we'll never ever ever lose i mean it was just a great time but then we started feeling like god was leading us to a church to be an associate pastor and i can tell you um and and i take the blame for this it was just not a good time in my life in fact i i kind of began to question everything that i believed i began to wonder god is this real some things began to happen. I began to, well, God, I'm trying to be obedient. And is this really how it's supposed to work out? Is this really how this is supposed to go down? Anybody ever been in that place where you seem like you've done everything you knew to do that was right and it still turned out like crap? Like I'll get crap this week because I said crap. But anybody, you just, you've been in that place where you're doing everything you know. And I remember being on the side of the road talking to Susan on the telephone. And I mean, I'm just crying. I couldn't even see the road and I'm crying. And I'm just like, Susan, I'm just trying to be obedient. Why is this happening? And I got to the lowest place I've ever been. And for the first time in my life, I heard in my head, I heard this voice in my head. And I know it wasn't God, but, but I heard this voice in my head that said, everything you've ever thought you'd become is never going to happen. It was the lowest place in my life. And I remember, I, 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 I didn't know if I wanted to be a minister. I didn't know if I was supposed to be a ministry. I didn't know if I was supposed to go back in the construction business. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. All I knew is that I felt like everything in my life had passed me by. It came around, and about a week later, it was my 33rd birthday. Almost two years ago uh, to the day. And Susan finally looked at me and she said, Brandon, you got to go somewhere and figure out where God's leading us. You need to go get with God and figure out what's going on. And so I left and I went and I got with, a, with God. And what's so funny about it is the place I went, I went to this little cabin. I come to, came to find out later that they call that cabin God's house. And so I'm sitting there and, and I'm on the front porch of that cabin and I'm just crying out to God. I'm like, God, what in the world is going on? What is happening, God? I'm 33 years old. I don't have a job. I got no place of ministry. I don't know what is going on, God. What's up? And I started reading through the scripture. I ended up in 1 Samuel chapter 9 and 10. And as I began to read that, um, I began to read where uh, Samuel comes and anoints Saul. And he anoints him to be 
um, king. And he says, when these signs, and he told him three things that were going to happen. He said, when these signs happen, when this takes place, do what your hand finds to do because God is with you. And when I read that, it was like when I read Joshua 1, it was like something went off in my spirit. And, and, and I just knew that something, there was something there, but I didn't even know what. And it caused me again to look inside myself, just like when I was four or five years old, to look inside myself and to hear that voice on the inside. And when I looked, I heard God say, you're a pastor. And see, I'd preached to 200 people, 250 people. I'd been under lights with smoke and all this crap. I'd done all that. But you know what? I still didn't know who I was. But when I got with God and everything else was stripped away, there was nothing left. I was in the lowest point of my life. God confirmed in me who I was. He told me who I was when it was just me and him. When I quit listening to all the other voices in the world, when I quit listening to what the devil would say to try to rob me of a destiny that God had planned for me long ago, when I quit listening to all those things and I began to listen to God, I found out who I am. Man, some of y'all need to hear that today. I have to remind myself of that day all the time. That that is who God says I am. When I have someone walk in my office and they look at me and say, well, listen, we just, uh, we, we got to go to another church because we don't feel like you care about us enough. And I carry that. I carry that. But I go back and I look at it. When I preach a bad message, see, y'all don't know what it's like to leave, live with a pastor. Man, Sundays can be total Hades in our house. I preach a message and it don't go good. Susan's like, you just go take a nap and we'll be in Canada. (laughs) But you know what? Every time I have to go back and I have to say, God, you told me who I am. You told me who I am. And see, nobody can rob that from you. When you know who you are in Christ, nobody can take that away from you. And you need to quit listening to all these other voices that are trying to tell you who you are and who you're supposed to be. And see, we think this is a youth message and we think it's a college message, but you know what? Some of us have never grown up and we still live in all the insecurity and all the what do people think about me. And we need to throw all that mess to the side, begin to listen to what our Heavenly Father tells us and to begin to live out of a place of security because we know who we are in Him. If God is for you, who are you really worried about? Who cares what the neighbor says? Who cares what your buddy says? You live for God and let him sort it out. There's times, man, and you're going, you might think I'm nuts when I tell you this. If you do, that's okay. Um, there's times when I'll just have to sit down and close my eyes and I'll just start talking to God and I'll have to get in this place where I, I literally envision myself in a room um, with God by myself and, and I start saying, God, are the voices that are coming to me from people coming in this office, are the voices that are coming at me um, from people in the community, are the voices that are coming to me that, that, that Satan's trying to whisper in my ear, are they your voice? And you know what? Every time it's been a voice of guilt or condemnation, you know what? It wasn't God's voice. Some of us are living out of that place. We, we can't become what God wants us to become in the future because we're still living in the past. And God showed me, I'm sitting on the front porch of that cabin, if you'll trust me, if you'll trust, he tells us to start a church, 
Right there, that's when it started, man. October 7th, 2008. I'm sitting there, and God starts to birth this church. I was talking to Chip Smith on the telephone, pacing back and forth on the, church, on the, the, the front porch of that, that cabin. And I'm talking to him like, Chip, man, I swear I feel like God just spoke to me. He, he just spoke. I'm just like this. I'm going crazy. I, wore, I had to wear a path in the stain on that deck. I'm like, I swear I just feel like God's speaking to me about a church in Statesboro. I don't know. It don't make sense to me. I don't know. I don't know about this, Chip. And then he, looked, he, he on the other side of the phone, he goes, I've been waiting on you. I want you to know this. That in the lowest time of my life, God birthed the greatest dream I could ever have. I want you to know that when you feel like your back's up against the wall with God, it's not the end, it's the new beginning. Some of us just need a change in perspective. I started going out to Mill Creek, the park, to read my Bible, just trying to get away where I could just be with God. And I like to be out in nature. I like to just be out where I can in here. But the problem was I, I pulled my truck in the first day into this parking place kind of back behind the woods. And I'm sitting there, and, and, and I put my tailgate down. I'm sitting there just reading my Bible and studying, and cars kept coming by. And, and I'm like, man, I'm kind of stuck out in the middle of the road. I was like, somebody's going to knock my legs off. And so I studied, and it was good. But the next day I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll back my truck in so that, so that I can, I can uh, not get killed, right? I mean, it's always a good thing. If you can avoid death, it's a pretty, pretty good thing. And so I backed my truck in, and, and I got on the tailgate, and I sat down, and I'm reading my Bible. And I look up, and all I could see were trees. And it was just like I was in nature, except for the guy who was, like, cursing at a machine behind me. It was just like being in nature. I mean, and I realized, and, and then right there, it was like God dropped it in my heart, and he's like, Brandon, you know what's funny about this? Your circumstances haven't changed, but your perspective has. See, some of us need to have that change of perspective. Some of us need to realize this morning that we've been looking at things the wrong way. Some of us need to realize this morning that the things that have happened in our life weren't to kill us. I want you to read this, hear this verse in Genesis. This is not going to be on the screen, but if you have it, it's in Genesis chapter 50. It's when Joseph spent through all the stuff he went through. He got sold into slavery. He was in jail twice. All of these things happened to him. And yet, this is what he says. And his brothers were the ones who sold him into slavery. And now they're thinking, oh gosh, he has become uh, the ruler of Egypt and he's going to kill us. It says in verse 15 of chapter 50, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. So they're trying to still play him. It says, now please forgive the sins of your servants of God, your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers came in and threw themselves around down before him. We're your slaves, they said. Listen to what Joseph says. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Listen to this. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Listen, the saving of many lives. See, some of us need to change the perspective that the bad things that have happened in our life because we live in this fallen world, the bad things that have happened to us were meant to kill us. But God says, listen, I can take the worst thing in your life and I can turn it around and I can use it for good and not just your good, but I can bring other people to me. I can save others through you. 
And we need a change of perspective to realize that that is who God is. Somebody asked me the other day, are you, are you surprised by what God's doing in the church? I mean, isn't it unbelievable what God's doing? And on one hand, I was like, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. But two years old, November 17th, has exceeded our wildest dreams. But there's a verse of scripture in Ephesians 3.20. It says that God would do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever think or imagine. When I think about that verse, I'm like, why would I be surprised that when you begin to do the heart of God, that God begins to show up and begins to touch people's hearts, begins to touch people's lives, and that when you truly begin to lift him up, he begins to draw other people to himself. Why are we surprised by that? You know people really do get saved today. We baptized 26 people this summer. I believe that's just the beginning. I thank God Almighty for those 26, but I believe it's just the beginning of what God wants to do. Why are we surprised when God comes and shows off? I love it when God shows off. See, God's not done. God's not finished yet. And I want you to hear that today. It might be in the lowest time of your life that God burst the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. Miss Carol, my my mother-in-law, said the other day, she's like, I was about to turn... 35, she said, did you ever think that you'd be doing what you're doing? I was like, I'm thinking church. She's like, no, I meant the two kids. You know, she and Susan would actually have two kids because I met her the first time. I think I was 13 years old. She said, did you really think that night that we met that you'd be doing what you're doing now? Raising two kids. And I was like, oh, I, I probably figured the kids part. Part I wasn't sure, I couldn't believe is the, the pastoring a church part. That's what blew me away. Last year, I baptized Susan. She had been baptized as a baby, but she wanted to remember it. She wanted to remember her baptism. I promise I'm up here wiping tears, sweat, and it's not. I won't lay hands on you later, I promise. Um, <laughs> and she wanted to be baptized. And I remember she came out, and she got out in the river. And, and it's pretty cool, you know, getting to baptize your wife. And so I'm out there, and uh, she finally got saved. We're like, yeah. And um, <laughs> so... I held her under for a long time, made sure all that sin had come off of her. But I dunked her under. I dunked her under the water, and, and she comes back up, and she looked at me, and, and I was like, did you think we'd be doing this 10 years ago? And she's like, uh-uh, I didn't. Because it's absolutely incredible what God can do when we surrender our lives to him, when we begin to follow him. And listen, if he does that for me, he'd do that for you. So I'm asking you today, and I hope I'm encouraging you today, God's not finished. There's so much more that God wants to do through you. There's so many lives that God wants to touch by your witness to him. And this is our faith journey, that we would, would believe that he is who he says he is, that we believe he had the power to do, has the power to do all that he says he'll do, and that he'll actually be faithful to do everything that he's promised. I don't know if you're in that place today where you can say, I believe that, that I, that I trust in him. Some of you, maybe you've never trusted him with your life in any way. Some of you today, there may be an area that you're holding back because you just don't know if you can let it go and let him have it. I'm encouraging you today that wherever you are, to allow him to have that. To allow him to be what you're trusting in. Allow him to guide your life and use it in an amazing way. In a way that you could probably never imagine that he'd use it. Let's pray.